Welcome to Fathering Excellence, where fathers of accomplished people share their parenting insights. This episode, I am excited to be talking with Christopher Rogers, father of his namesake son, Christopher John Rogers, the accomplished fashion designer. Christopher John Rogers' designs have been worn by Beyonce, Lady Gaga, Lizzo, Cardi B, Zendaya, Tracy Ellis Ross, and Michelle Obama. He also recently won the American Emerging Designer of the Year Award from the Council of Fashion Designers of America. For those of you less familiar with the fashion scene, the CFDA Award is an enormous honor, like winning a Grammy or an Oscar. Christopher John Rogers and his sister Soraya are fortunate to have Christopher as their father. In this episode, we talk about the importance of listening to your children, supporting them in the endeavors that they are passionate about, and encouraging them to finish what they start. Before we get started, there's one thing which, if you could do this following the episode, it would really help to sustain the podcast, and we would be extraordinarily grateful. Specifically, if you hear anything in this episode, or others, that you found helpful, we'd greatly appreciate it if you could take 60 seconds to provide a rating and a review. When a podcast has more ratings and reviews, it appears higher on the search results. So by taking a moment to do this, you'll be helping the podcast and helping other people to find it. It's easy to do on the Apple Podcast app. Just search for Fathering Excellence and keep scrolling down until you get to the star rating. Scroll down a bit further and you'll see where you can click to leave a review. Thank you for any help with this and enjoy this episode with Christopher Rogers. I'm Jonathan V and this is Fathering Excellence. Well, thank you for being here today, Christopher. I really appreciate it. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Your son is, I think, just 26 years old. Is that right? Yes, sir. He actually made, no, I'm sorry. Let me correct you. He just made 27 a week today. Oh, okay. Still a a very young age, and he has uh, accomplished a tremendous amount. I'd really like to start by understanding what the Rogers household was like when Christopher was young. But before we go there, I'd be interested from your perspective, given everything that he's accomplished already at this young age, was there a, a moment in time where you where you felt like, wow, Christopher has really made it. He's really making it happen. He's really, he's really accomplished it and well on his way for more, but he's really made it in the fashion industry as a fashion designer. Well, that's an interesting question. I think the defining moment would be Mother's Day of 2019 when my son, as we call CJ, he and I were traveling from my mom's house for Mother's Day, which was actually a surprise visit. He happened to be in town that weekend. And on my way back home from my parents' home, he received a text message followed by a phone call from a former first lady, Michelle Obama's publicist. Oh, my goodness. I could see the excitement in his eyes, uh, one that He had received the hit that he had been looking for and been working hard for. And of course, we want to note that prior to that, he actually had other notable celebrities such as hip hop artist Cardi B, who actually wore a coat from his initial collection, which was actually his part of his senior collection in college, followed by pieces that was worn by actress uh, Gabrielle Union and Tessa Thomas wearing a piece on late night TV. 
And of course, all of these things was a surprise to my wife and I also, but we're just like, well, that's just CJ still doing his thing. He's still trying to, you know, get himself established, but it's exciting just to see our son stuff just out there in the public knowing and just thinking back, where did he come from? Certainly. Yeah. But to have one of the most influential ladies of the free world, Michelle Obama, to wear one of his pieces on the final stop of her becoming book tour in Nashville, Tennessee, that was actually breathtaking because while we were traveling back home from my parents' home, we were on the interstate. I literally pulled on the side of the road with all of the excitement that he had. And I was like, wow, this, I said, this has to be big. And he starts hollering and screaming. And and he basically said, Michelle Obama is going to wear my piece. I did not know that she was going to do this. Wow. We found that like just now. So that's when I knew that the game was actually changing for him. And he was now on his way living his childhood dream. That's that's amazing. And what timing too, huh? On on Mother's Day, this happens. Yes, sir. Wow. And what was that like for you as, as his father? What's going through your head? What, what are you, how are you feeling at that moment? Well, honestly, one of the first things that was coming across my head is like, okay, now we need to try to find a lawyer. <laughs> I think we need to try to protect the brand. He's my namesake. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Christopher John Rogers, and it all went back to an agreement that he and I had when he went to college, when he was actually thinking about changing his name from his high school name, because he had another name, which was called Roger Lou. And that was in honor of he and his high school classmate. They decided to use part of their names for this high school collection. But then when he went to college, he decided to have the professional name and he literally started as a freshman with Christopher John Rogers. Interesting. But for him to be my namesake, and he's like, okay, my name is going all over the world. But I, re- but I reflected back that this is his thing. He's following his dream. I'm happy for him. And now we just have to just lead him in the right direction. Hmm. And so that's, that's been a blessing. I bet. Oh, that's so exciting. I, I can't imagine what that must have felt like for, for him and, and for you and, and your whole family. Yes, sir. So rolling back the clock, my understanding is that when Christopher John was young, you all were living in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Is that correct? And, and if so, what, what was the Rogers household like then? Well, first and foremost, we have always put God first in our lives. And within our household. We have always worked to communicate, be respectful, and of course, be honest with each other within our household. So we always lean on respect. Mm. We were not a perfect family, but I can now say that I was very hard and strict on him as a father, especially when he was real young. CJ is actually our firstborn. Thus, this was uh, my actual first opportunity to learn how to be a father, but also train him about being responsible. Mm-hmm. His mother and I both worked. What line of work were, were the two of you in? Well, I work for the university. Uh, I'm an IT communications director for an agriculture center, which is Southern University. And his mom is a medical technologist that works for one of the medical centers here in Baton Rouge. Uh-huh. You know, we're constantly working. And I guess that's one of those traits that he picked up from us is being hardworking and also being of service because we both work in service uh, entities within our profession. So he would be with us from time to time just to see what we could do. But while we would work, he was spending most of his time with his grandparents 
Also, he and his sister was always involved in a lot of activities in and out of school. He tried his hand in sports. What kind of sports? Wow. Basketball, soccer, tennis, (laughs) swimming keep him active and just keep him engaged. And then also give him a different environment away from school, but also seeing what the community had to offer for him. When did Christopher start to show his creative side? He's always been very creative. That's something from four or five years old. Wow. He's always had a sketch pad, a pencil. He's always was drawing things. Interesting. Yes. You probably heard of a... This little game called Pokemon? Sure, yeah. He was into Pokemon? He was a Pokemoner. I guess I'm pronouncing (laughs) it correctly. (laughs) And he was into dinosaurs. He would literally try to draw the characters of the Pokemons. He would draw his, his dinosaur collection. So he was always with a pen, pencil, and a pad, always drawing on things. Interesting. Where do you think he picked that up from? Is that, were you or your wife artistically inclined? Well, I don't want to be biased, but uh, I'm artistically inclined. I'm actually, I'm a photographer. All right. I am a professional photographer. I also minored in fine arts. So you're a professional photographer. That's that's wonderful. What kind of uh, photography do you do? I do a lot of nature photography. Uh-huh. And then, of course, my degree being in mass communication as a photojournalist, I do a lot of photojournalistic stuff. But as time has gone, I'm more into nature now. Uh-huh. And is that something that you, did you share that with Christopher John when he was younger? Did you involve him with your photography? I tried to. I tried to push it on him, but CJ had his own thing. His thing was pencil, paper, but he can shoot when he has to, uh, because uh, of course, during that evolution of as he was growing up, we were actually getting into the internet. I mean, he was born in 1993. And we can say that the World Wide Web was just getting into fruition. So he was growing with the evolution of technology and the cell phone. So he would take pictures with his cell phone and then try to go back, draw some of the things that he had actually taken pictures of. So I did notice that he had an eye, you know, for art. Uh Also, given the uh, basic skills of art, you know, talking about the perspective and the rule of thirds, And he learned that through high school. And he was always around good people or professional people in their craft. So as we was in high school, he was he had a very good art teacher. When he was in piano, he was with a seasoned pianist who actually played piano professionally. And I actually have a short story about this piano class that he was actually taking. And and how how old is he during this time when he's taking piano? During this time, he would probably have been about 10, between 10, 12 years old. Uh So around that time, he was taking piano. And of course, being a disciplinarian myself, he had a piano teacher who was very strict and very disciplined. So his first stance She said, did you know how to do you know how to read the keys and do you know how to read music? She was just doing the basic things. And of course, she said no. So she asked him to get on the piano and just start playing something. Just start moving your fingers on the keys. And he had actually put together a little song that the piano teacher had actually recorded. And we we still have it. Oh, wow. Oh, isn't that great? Yes. And she said, this is not going to be hard. He's going to be a great pianist. But of course, he didn't stay with it. He ended up going with his art and he just was a part of many art contests. 
That is fantastic. I love that. That's great. But he definitely had that. I guess it's still the same part of the brain, right? The creative expression it's used in music as it is in other types of arts. Correct. Right. Did you travel, uh, take vacations as a family as well? Were there places that you would go to frequently? One of his favorite places as a young kid was actually going to Disney World. So he started putting everything into perspective because that's a whole art gallery and museum all into itself. Yeah, that's so interesting. I hadn't thought about it like that, but I could see, especially from a, a child like Chris was, that that's how it would be seen. Right. Interesting. And did you make a point of trying to expose your children to different parts of the country, different cultures, different experiences? Oh, yes. Yes, we did. Because I was, both my wife and I, we were actually exposed as kids ourselves to travel and and get out of your environment and actually be a part of other things that was taking place. Read the newspaper. Uh, You always needed to know what was going on in your surroundings. That's something we always preached. Mm. And I still do. And why is that important to you? Number one, we need to know our history. We need to know that history always repeats itself. And then you have to know how to protect yourself in the event that something can happen. And you know how to at least communicate Mm -hmm. and get to know people. Everyone is different, but we're all children of God. And that's something we've always tried to preach, that we are all in this together and we all have to get along. Everything is not perfect, but that's been since the beginning of time. Yeah, that's so true. We need more of that, I think, that, that spirit of unity. Yes, sir. You mentioned earlier that with the photography that you tried to push it on him a little bit and it kind of wasn't his thing. He was more into drawing. How did you gauge when to back off? Well, I guess it all goes back to communicating. You know, my wife and I, we talk about a lot of things. <laughs> you know, that's part of our ritual about what has happened during our work day. Uh, talk about the kids, you know, and she basically would tell me and all my family members that uh, I don't think he likes this. I think he wants to be an artist. And I always would say, well, he's photography is an art form. Uh-huh. He says, but they would say, but that's not what he wants to do. He needs to do something that he is happy with, just like you were given an opportunity to do something that you were happy with. And after I saw that that was something that he really wanted to do and he was like really happy to the point that he could be in his room and just draw and he could be for hours without even coming out. Wow. And you know, kids don't normally like to stay in their room and he would just draw things, put things together, come back show us. And then that's how his fashion actually came into being, that he would go to church with my wife uh, and his grandmother, and he would actually see the ladies in church and just visualize, I guess, from an artist, ladies with the big hats, uh-huh. long dresses. And, you know, in a Baptist church, you know, everything is colorful. Mm-hmm. And then being a kid, you are being told, especially in a black church, be quiet, don't make noise. You know, you have to do everything by the numbers. So he would have his pad with him again, trying to keep him engaged. And he started just drawing, drawing the dresses, drawing the colors and putting things together. And he would just show us those things. But I didn't really pick it up myself. But my wife started picking it up or my mother-in-law at the time. She would pick it up and she's like, he, he's on to something. Interesting. But uh, that's when I learned to just give him the opportunity to, to be happy. And then uh, when he went to his high school, that's when everything just really started coming together for him. 
Was it a public high school, a private high school? Uh, it actually was a public high school, a public magnet school. Uh, uh-huh. It was Baton Rouge, Baton Rouge High Magnet School. This school is actually one of the top magnet high schools in the city. It's also a blue ribbon school. So your best and brightest kids normally go to that school and you're normally on a waiting list. Uh-huh. And does it have a specific focus? Is it is it known for cert, like for the arts or is it all around a really strong school? Uh, this Baton Rouge High, this one was particularly focused on the arts, uh-huh. you know, fine arts, music. And then graduates, when they come out of high school, it's about 90 to 95 percent going to college. That's terrific. So our thing was, if you want to go to college and you want to go to school out of state, you have to find a way to pay it because I'm being this strict father again <laughs> because we didn't have very much money. We just had enough to, you know, to make it. But we knew that whatever we had to do to make our kids, get our, keep our kids happy, we had to do. We had to work. And of course, CJ found, he's always found his way to make things happen through trials and tribulations. He's always made it happen. Even down into high school, he learned about a fashion show. And he and several of his friends actually put a show together. And I think he was a sophomore. And at the time, it was only supposed to be juniors and seniors that were supposed to present. And he was able to convince his art teacher to tell the sponsor of the show to have him enter the contest. And he was able to enter the contest. He had maybe five or six pieces that he had designed, developed, and pieced together in our living room. Wow. And he took the show. He literally <laughs> took the show as a as a sophomore. Uh, so we knew he was destined for something. So he just literally just started at it. And then that's what motivated him to just keep going on in fashion. And he surrounded himself with people who was able to help him. Even to today, his team that's assembled, that's working with him are actually his classmates from SCAD, Savannah College of Art and Design. Oh, is that right? Wow. Yes, his his whole team, his whole main team, they're all classmates from SCAD, and that's been a blessing. So you said that he had a uh, a show in his sophomore year of high school. When did he transition from drawing the ladies in church to actually creating his own designs? I'll say eighth grade going into ninth, yeah, ninth, tenth grade, uh, because even going back into high school, he made his own labels for his clothes. Oh, is that right? Wow. Yes, his uh, and his old label uh was actually called Rajalu. We actually still have samples of his label from high school. I would recommend holding on to those. Oh, we are, <laughs> we are. <laughs> he made a large number of them, so we have them. And what were your thoughts on that? It's not a typical career path. It's uh, and it can be perhaps a higher risk path as well, right? I I think there's a lot of people that would like to get into the fashion industry. It's very competitive. How did you feel about it? Did you give him any counsel in terms of career advice? Well, we actually encouraged it. We knew it was a not a norm for an African American to actually be in fashion design, especially someone from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, because you know we're in this capital city and. Everything you hear about in Louisiana is, especially Baton Rouge, is football, Uh sport. But to have CJ going into fashion. But we knew that eventually he would have to work hard. He would have to be surrounded by the right folks. We knew God had to be a major role to at least get us prepared for getting him to the point where he wanted to be happy. 
And that's something he always said, that I want to travel all over the place. I want to live in New York. He said those things in the ninth and 10th grade. Wow. You know, and that was based off of traveling because we would travel. He said, I don't want to stay in Baton Rouge. I won't be able to do what I want to do here. Y'all just don't understand. And we didn't understand, but he knew. And it sounded like you, while you didn't understand why he wanted that, it sounded like you appreciated that even at that young age, that he was really had that conviction and sense of purpose. Right. And uh, of course, he had done his research. He would show us stuff on the internet, seeing what other folks were doing and how did they get there. He would email different people, <laughs> folks that we didn't even know, things we didn't, we didn't realize he was doing those things. He grew up with the internet, so he would see all these things and he would try to mimic some of the things that were actually out there. And, and he said, this is how we can do this. This is how I'm going to get here. And I wanted to do it this way. So he, he really became a student of the fashion industry at a young age. Did that seem to give him a, a head start later on? Yes. After that fashion show in high school, he was recommended to a recruiter. And that was SCAD, and it was a couple of school, art schools, SCAD, Parsons, I can't recall the other one. And they actually were meeting in New Orleans. And at that time, he actually had a portfolio huh. put together with just his drawings wow. and a few newspaper articles from that fashion show, because it actually made the newspaper. And during that time, when they were asking him these questions, he was answering those questions to the point that the recruiter said, some of our freshmen don't even know how to answer these questions. Some freshmen don't even think like this. Interesting. So he was already thinking at a high level of what he wanted to do. And he said, you're going to be a very, you're going to be special. That is incredible. Was he offered scholarships when he started applying for colleges? Yes. He was offered several scholarships. And of course, dad still being dad, like, Lord, how are we going to pay for this? He got to worry about out-of-state fees. But we we were guided. We were just guided by God. And and since some of the best practices that my wife and I had, and that's just actually putting things on paper and then let's discuss it and let's just put it together and just find out what the final pet's going to be. Uh-huh. So at that time, we took all of the the big schools that he wanted to, and we broke them down and we actually put it on, placed it on a whiteboard and we put the school, we put the amount that the school was going to cost, what kind of scholarship they were going to give. And we broke it all the way down, even down to the point of how far he was away from home. Mm. Could we get to a certain place within a day if we had to? Cause I'm thinking about my wife, her son leaving home, but, uh, he selected, is scared and they gave him a full scholarship and of course that was the rest is history that's wonderful huh what a relief that must have been for you oh yeah well partially we we still had to put out some but uh we knew what we had to do to to make him happy because we uh he went there we didn't want him to quit we didn't want to disappoint him to the point saying that we can't support what you're doing because we said whatever you start you have to finish and we did whatever we had to do was that something that was uh, important to you, a, a value that you tried to instill as your kids were growing up that what they started, they should finish? Yes, sir. Are there times that you can think of where Christopher wanted to quit something before he had finished it? Well, actually in college, he was a junior and he was having issues with one of his professors. And of course, CJ being very strong-minded, 
being that type of individual that I already know what I'm talking about because I've already done this. He's like, I'm tired of this. I don't want to do this anymore. I just want to just go and start working. That's what the other people are doing. It's like, CJ, slow down. I said, you started something. You must finish it. I said, you don't get anything easy in life. You still need to follow up and finish. Finish it. Get the degree. Have something behind your name. I said, everyone cannot have an opportunity like you have right now. Be the leader and do what you need to do to get your paper. Oh, my wife had told him to go back, apologize to the professor, tell him what you was thinking. Don't tell him now. Calm down and go and talk to the professor. And <laughs> from this day on, they're good friends now. Oh, is that right? Oh, that's wonderful. That was the professor who actually wrote a letter of recommendation for him for some scholarships, even to the point this same professor recommended him to travel to Denmark to represent the school. Uh, that's when he met the folks from Swarovski Crystals. And that's actually one of his major sponsors. That's wonderful. So along the, the topic of finishing what you started and, and things along that line, earlier you had mentioned that you were uh, more of a strict father. Can you think of any particular times where that manifest, uh, examples of, of how you were strict with your children? So we had curfews, even to the point when he was a, a freshman coming home from college, he still had to meet his curfew. And of course, we, he had to prove to me that he was a man or he was respectful. Do you remember what his curfew was? Midnight. That's reasonable. Yes. <laughs> I actually do the same thing with my daughter. Uh-huh. And she's a college student right now. She stays here with us, but she she goes to college actually where I work. So we see each other all the time. Oh, that's nice. What kind of a degree is she pursuing? Accounting. Okay, great. So she's she's majoring in accounting and she's scheduled to graduate in May twenty twenty one. Oh, that'll be great. Uh, good for her. And and that's a great place to be as a dad to have gotten your kids that far. Yes, sir. Were there any times that were uh, particularly challenging for you as a father? I guess it would be the time when he actually came out, uh -huh. per se, as being gay. That was one of the hardest things for me to accept. But at the same time, I had to realize that he was still my son and he was honest with me. It's not like we had to just find out on the outside but he actually talked to us and told us what was going on. And how old was he when when you had that conversation with him? I say about 12, 12, 13. Oh, okay. And and how did that go? It didn't go well. I mean, we took it hard because we didn't quite understand it. We didn't know how to deal with it. And of course, parents have to deal with peer pressure as well. Mm -hmm. But also being his parents, we had to understand that we still had to protect him as our kid. Mm -hmm. And then with us being trying to be children of faith, we would still tell him that you have to follow the teachings of, of, of Jesus. You still have to go to church. You still have to pray. But we still told him that he still has to be responsible for whatever actions that he has, but he still has to protect the family name. And I can say up until today, he's protecting the family name. And it's not because of all the accolades and everything that he's receiving, but it's just the way he carries himself. He still 
that son that we had when he was in elementary school up into college, we still talk at least once a week. Like tonight would probably be the night that he's going to call. It's either going to be a Friday evening or a Saturday ah, evening. Nice. We talk for about 10, 15 minutes as a family. He still communicates with his sister. And I think we're, we're at ease uh, with it. He's been honest with it. He's always been honest with us. And is there any advice that you would give to other fathers in that situation? I would imagine from how you're describing it, that for you, it was a surprise and maybe your initial reactions weren't exactly how you would have scripted them with the benefit of hindsight. But speaking to other fathers, if they were in that situation, or is there advice that you would give on how to best respond to it? Well, I guess the first thing that I would do or what I advise would be to first listen if you have that relationship with your, your child, listen to them. Let them talk. That's something that was always hard for me because I went through the same thing with my father, you know, when things would happen. Because he was a disciplinarian himself. You know, he would just say what he had to say, then he would just leave mm. to the point that he didn't want to hear about it anymore. But from what I've learned, and I guess getting wiser now, is that just listen to your kids, listen to what they have. We know there's a lot of things going on in our world today. So peer pressure is a big thing. But our thing would be is to communicate with them, tell them that you love them. I think that's great, especially you know re reaffirming your love for the child. I would imagine that for Christopher, it was probably a scary moment for him to approach the two of you and not know or for any child who's coming out to their parents, not knowing how they're going to respond and to know that right. they still have their parents' love first and foremost. I think everything past that is much more easy right. to deal with if you know that you still have that foundation of, of love between all of you. Yes, sir. You'd mentioned that you had curfew for him even as he came home from college. How did your parenting relationship change with both of your kids as they grew into that phase where they're in college? Are, are you continuing to give them an advice? And in what way do you continue to father them? Oh, yes. Yeah. So we, we always, like I said, we, we talk periodically. We communicate. Our relationship has evolved from being a strict disciplinarian to a relationship of almost, you know, being a mentor, mentee type of friendship. So, you know, I've gone through best practices because uh, I was once young. My wife was once young. I get a lot of advice myself from some of my older friends. And well, ironically, most of my friends are older than I am. So I get a lot of advice from that. And I try to instill that into my family as well. Uh -huh. He normally calls and asks for advice, you know, so I'll genuinely listen. And then I'll offer my perspective on whatever topic that he has. And if it's something that I don't know, I say, well, I have to get back with you. Uh-huh. So uh, oftentimes he just basically just like to keep things simple. Uh, it's either yes or no, or let's think about it. But whatever we can do to make CJ happy or Soraya, who's my daughter, all I ask is just be honest with me from the beginning. Don't surprise me too much because I may not take it too easily. But at the end of the day, I'm proud of CJ as a man. I'm proud of him as my son. I'm proud of him as a, a citizen. Well, you have a lot to be proud about. In addition to being an extraordinary fashion designer, he seems to be a, a very thoughtful and smart young man and, and a man of great character. Yes, sir.
I imagine after college, it it still must have been difficult, even given all of his talent and, and accomplishments, difficult to break into the fashion industry. Is that right? Right. It's not like CJ just graduated out of SCAD and then Michelle Obama started wearing his, his clothes. He literally had to scrape to get where he's at. His very his first job was actually working in a restaurant for about a week. Huh. He had received his degree and he said, I'm going to go and stay with one of my friends that I met in college who is now in New York and I'm going to find myself a job. I said, okay. I said, well, it's on you now. You're a man. And that's what he did. And he tried to make it. I mean, we assisted him when we could for rent and things like that. But uh, he worked in a restaurant and his tip for that one day was like $15. Mm. That's after he had to split everything up. And he said, oh, no, this is not for me. <laughs> and he had his portfolio and he, he kept shopping it. And then that's when he started working for Diane Vos Boxenberg. DVF. Yep. And and that's where everything just started happening for him. And to say that it was not even a year out of college that he's working for one of the top fashion designers in the world. Yeah. And then he's being mentored by her and other designers that were there. And then he she's giving him the opportunity to actually build his brand and, and work on pieces for himself because he was literally staying in a one to two bedroom apartment with maybe two or three other uh, roommates. And they were designing clothes there enough where he could put a collection together to go and show. Wow. And then she actually gave him that opportunity to take a week off and present his collection and then end up getting a global congratulatory on that collection. Isn't that something? Wow. And that's what propelled it. Wow. It really speaks to his work ethic also, because being a designer, as I understand, is is a lot of work. Being a designer for DVF, I would imagine, right. is just that much more demanding. And then for him to be yes. able to assemble his own collection while working as a designer for DVF, that's just got to be a, a Herculean task. Yes, it is. That's all from the time when he was really young, was actually being dedicated and committed to what he wanted to do. And we come from a family on, on both sides. My father and mother were both hard workers, even down to his mom's mother and father. They were both hard workers as well. So it was, it's, it's ingrained in him he and his sister. Were there expectations around the household as well that they would do chores or work or? Yes, you had to do that. Yes, you did. He, his thing was taking out the trash, making sure his room was cleaned, uh, which hmm, that was an understatement. <laughs> but <laughs> I guess being in fashion, you always had the clippings all over the floor or needles, or pins, things of that nature to the point he would just take over the whole house. But at the end of the day, he's he's been a good son. And how how were his academics going through high school? Was he a good student outside of the arts as well? I'll just put it this way. He graduated summa cum laude from high school. Wow. And then he also graduated summa cum laude from uh, Savannah College of Art and Design. Wow. Did you and your wife have to push that? No. He just, he just got the grades. He just got the grades. It was We did not have to push CJ to study. So it was almost, to the, and he always would read. He always read. 
He would read novels. He would read the newspaper. I mean, because we had those things scattered all over the house. So, you know, if at the coffee table, we would have magazines. Uh, so I would read the newspaper every morning. And of course, when the internet came into being, he would read stuff on the internet. So he was always engaged. So he can he can hold his own with almost anyone. And I think that's already been proven. Yeah, it's in many ways. Yeah, certainly in the in the <laughs> yeah in, in fashion design. He's yeah. at a very young age, and it's interesting hearing you talk about right. it. I wondered coming into this conversation, how how can somebody become that accomplished in fashion design at such a young age with a handful of years of experience out of college? But it sounds like he has sixteen years of ex- he started at such a young age, really doing the thing right. that he's doing now. I never thought of it that way, to be honest. <laughs> 16 <laughs> years of experience. I never really thought of it that way. Wow. Getting on YouTube, doing his research, sending out emails to these people. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. Writing his own memos and, and, and actually getting a response, writing for sponsorships. I mean, he was getting his own sponsorships for his collection in college. That's great. So I, I have just a, a few closing questions. Okay. What are three words that you think your kids or your wife might use to describe your parenting style? Hmm. Strict, compassionate, loving. Strict, compassionate, and loving. It's a nice combo. Good balance. What's something that you learn from your kids or, or just from the process of being a father? Huh. That's a good question. I guess being patient. That when I started as a father, I didn't know much about being a father. And I guess that's how it is with most first-time fathers. Yeah. That through guidance and, and looking at good examples around you and then utilizing those skills that you've learned from others that's been successful and then using it for yourself, for your own kids. Yeah. And what has helped me, I've always been around a lot of good people myself, people who are actually that had families that had whole families that actually worked with their kids and actually had their kids exposed to many things. So I've always, I've had that opportunity myself to always be exposed as such as my wife, she's always been exposed to a lot of folks. So whatever we were a part of, our kids were actually a part of it as well. Mm. And I think that is what's helped him is how to communicate with everyone, no matter if it's the guy on the block, holding up a sign, trying to just get a few dollars or just food to the point that now CJ actually has former first lady Michelle Obama to wear his his piece or having a candid conversation with Tracy Ellis Ross through a, a chat and they're literally having fun. But it all took him just being grounded in who he was, not forgetting where he came from, and then also being that true professional of where he needed to be, to be Mm -hmm. successful himself. Yeah. Were there things that you had to do to cultivate patience as a father? I had to make a conscious effort at one time, and that was to listen. Mm -hmm. Just listen. Don't jump to conclusions. And then my wife, I mean, she's my pair. I mean, she's helped me a lot to be patient also because she's the quiet one, real quiet. Mm. It sounds like you two have a, a great relationship. Yeah, we love to have fun. We just And we love to just be ourselves and just be honest with each other. And that's the key. Yeah. Are there any books or resources or habits 
that you found helpful in parenting in general or that have helped you to become a better person and through that helped you to become a better father? Well, reading the Bible, <laughs> number one, mm -hmm. that's one. And then uh, just being surrounded by other fathers who are successful and then following their leads and then expressing some of the things that you may be going through and seeing how they would actually encounter it. I mean, I remember one time I asked my, my own father about how would he attack a situation and, and he was able to tell me. That's great advice. Is there any additional advice that you would give to other fathers, either fathers in general or fathers have a child who's interested in pursuing a career in the arts or in, in fashion design? Well, I guess my thing would be is to uh, support your children in whatever endeavor that they want to get involved in. Sometimes it may not be something you want to do or something that's not part of the, the norm of your surroundings. But at the end of the day, your kid has to be the one that has to live with it. And they're the ones that's going to have to be happy. And just so happened that CJ is doing something that he's always wanted to do since he was a kid. So he's living his childhood dream. And I guess finally, I would say is that remember that uh, he is a child of God or we are children of God. And we have to be happy and follow that lead that's already been set forth for us because we are still a part of this, this ecosystem that's called this world, mm -hmm. that we all have to get along with each other. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So I just had one last question, which is, is there, is there anything uh, that we didn't cover that you'd like to add? Well, I just want to just add one thing that, yes, I was a strict father, but that was one thing we made sure of for CJ and later on his, his sister, Soraya, is that they attended church service. Sunday school, vocational Bible school, and that he was actually raised by a strict disciplinarian father and, and a very compassionate mom. But we also grew together to the point that uh, he confirms with his mom, he confers with us, and that we always found that time to at least talk. At least every Saturday or every other Saturday, we were getting up early in the morning. And we were going to the barbershop. And then at that time, that's when we would actually just talk about things, talk about life, talk about some of the things that he liked, or maybe some of the things that I went through as a kid. He would say something. I said, well, I went through that before. And he said, well, why did you go through that? How, what did your daddy do? And I said, well, you know, I would tell him what would actually happen. But just, we was always trying to be honest with each other. But at the end of the day, we always would just say, God is watching us. And we leave it at that. That's nice. And uh, it's a, a great place to, to close as well, I think. Christopher, thank you so much for finding time for this conversation. I have really enjoyed talking with you. You're uh, an excellent father, and it really is an honor talking with you. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. As mentioned in the introduction, we would greatly appreciate it if you could help sustain the podcast by leaving a rating and even a brief review. It is particularly helpful if you can do this on the Apple Podcast platform. You can also help the podcast by telling a friend about it, subscribing, or following us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Most importantly, remember to spend some time today with your child. It goes by in the blink of an eye.